Welcome to your weekly dose of NFL jibber-jabber, the Club Dub Football Podcast. Remember to follow on Twitter, Insta, and watch video shows each week on YouTube. Want to get in touch? That's easy. Message through social or email clubdubpodcast at mail.com. Welcome to the Club Dub Football Podcast. Where the only question is Does your team make it into the club? Can he get in? No, he cannot! I mean, you're not, but it's it's a lovely thought. Lovely thought. No, I mean, I'm, I'm mad Oh, sorry, if we, we interrupted. Are you, uh, are you busy doing other things? Well, it's, no. it's P- PGA Tour after that, isn't it? So, got to be, got to be quick Saudi and easy. Tour. Oh, the Saudi Tour. Now, I'll tell you what, your, uh, your Xbox One is well up to date, isn't it? Or is yeah. it a Series X? Series X, yeah. Series X. Okay, there you go. It really is well up to date then. D- gentlemen, the wait has been unbearable. Um, it's been so long since we've been together to talk football, but at the end of our last podcast, we said we would come back together when there was news and we've had two weeks of very little news. There were these things that aren't compulsory and some people turned up and some people didn't, but as they're not compulsory, not news. And then in the last few days, the tide has turned and we are back to talk about amazing things. We're about to talk about Aaron Donald, who's not a quarterback being paid like a very good quarterback. Well, then maybe debate how on earth the Rams can afford to pay all these people all this money. Uh, But beyond that, this is um, our celebration of the players who might be considered mediocre, who we think are just superstars who have not been treated kindly by the league spotlight. So our topic on the retirement of Ryan Fitzmagic are those players who we feel are really top tier, but just don't get the recognition they deserve. Most underrated players in NFL history is going to be the tagline. So we're throwing ourselves into all that. Are we putting, just to interject here, are we putting Fitzmagic in that bucket of great players that didn't get the... I think it was just a jumping off point, Phil. I don't it was think just, we're saying it was just a segue. The... Yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, we're not putting him in the hall or anything. I mean, don't, I mean, don't yeah, worry. I'm going to say no. cult hero, but, you know, I'm not sure you ever want to play off game, so... I'll be honest, Phil, we've had two weeks off. There's still very little news, and it felt like a we're, good... We're, we're working we here. We're, uh, I mean, <laughs> so. it, it's not like we didn't workshop this well in advance of our pod, but, but no, you make a good point. But anyway, I've leapt into this in my excitement. How are we all, gentlemen? Good. Very well, thank you. Yourself excited for some vague yeah. NFL news. Well, in, indeed, yeah, that that's where my mood comes from. JB's keeping quiet, but you know we'll just leave him to that. So, um, look, I've already teed this up. Let's have this conversation. Then Aaron Donald becomes he was already the best played paid non quarterback in the league. He's signed for no more years, but for a lot more money. PB, what are your thoughts? Kick us off. Um. <sighs> it's a lot of money to get back a player they already had under contract. So I don't know if he said I'm retiring and they're like, we'll give you another 10 million over the next two, uh, 10 million a year over the next two years. And he thought, Oh, I won't retire then. Like I I never really thought it was a a legitimate thing that he might retire. I know he said that it is, but I feel like that was just a negotiation tactic. It's a weird one, really. It's a lot of money. You know, he was already on a lot of money and now he's on a lot more money. Um, so, which is strange, and it makes kind of makes a mockery of the whole salary cap, really. Like they may as well just do away with it at this point. If you know, I mean, I, the Bucks are punting money down the road by adding voidable years. The Saints have been doing it for years, and, and every year we think they're going to be in cap turmoil and then get their way out of it. And now the Rams seem to be able to, you know, pay everybody on the roster. So it's uh, yeah, it's an odd one for me. Like, like you know, a, a massive piece for them and a great player for the league. So you know, really good for them that they that they can secure him coming back and keep him tied down for the next couple of years. But I don't feel that they needed to do it. So it's, yeah, a bit strange. Aldrin, what are your thoughts on the new contract with 65 million in guaranteed money? I mean, you can't argue that he isn't one of the most disruptive players at a position that is so critical. Getting to the quarterback well, as we saw in a Super Bowl, wins Super Bowls. You know, I think we saw it um, from, funnily enough, his teammate from last year, Von Miller, you know, in that Carolina game when he just 
took over the game, took what was an MVP season from Cam Newton out from under his feet, quite literally. Um, and again, helped them to win a Super Bowl. So I don't, I, I don't think you can argue it's not a critically important position. And weirdly, when I was researching our topic today of most underrated players, one of the from, I can't remember if it was PFF, um, Pro Football Focus, one of their lists had Aaron Donald on that most underrated is. Mm. And, they were, and it kind of pointed out, no matter how good you believe Donald to be, the data probably says is even better than that. And and I think that that's a really interesting point, but also really critical because it's not always just the flash plays that you see, you know, it's not just the quarterback hits or the sacks. It's the attention. Like last year, it was in some instances, him attracting all of the double teams. And then there's Von Miller on the other side. What do you do? You can't block everyone. So I think, he he's not only so critical to that um to that important role of getting to the quarterback but he frees up other people to do so as well he gives them so many options it's the same way you know i mean i know i'm talking about the the rams now really um but in the same way that jalen ramsey opens up so many opportunities for aaron donald aaron donald does the same for jalen ramsey because you know all of these players work really well together and i think if you're in the situation that the Rams are now, which is they probably feel like they're in the best spot they're going to be in for a good number of years. You know, every every very good team has a Super Bowl window, and I feel like they're really in that now that they've got a better-than-average quarterback and then all of these other top-tier pieces in play. So I think warding off any even... Va- I mean, I think, let's be honest, like Phil said, I don't think there was any real threat of him retiring. I think the threat of him retiring was to add a few extra zeros to his bank balance, which he's nicely done. But I think the Rams were not stupid in acquiescing to that, you know, kind of intimation because they want to keep him around for the next two years while they make two more runs at a Super Bowl, let's say. So I think he's worth the money if you win another Super Bowl, and they could well do that with him on the roster. So adding something to this, at the very end of the season, when Donald said, you know, winning a Super Bowl is the best feeling I've ever had, you know, all I want to do is go back and do it all over again. And Aaron Donald was asked about retiring, and he said, if the Rams bring back Von Miller and Odell Beckham, there's no way. You know, I'm here for another run. Now, I know Miller went for crazy money, We've, you know, talked that through on previous podcasts, but do you not think, do, do you think it was realistic that some of this Donald money could actually have been spent tying up some of their existing superstar talent? And maybe he'd have been satisfied on just, you know, 10 million less a season, or, or do you think this was a, a real necessity? I, I don't know if I've led this too far down the garden path, but JB, what are your thoughts on all of this? Do you think it's part of a big picture or are you with Aldrin? It just needed to happen for the Rams to stay atop of the hill. If Aaron Donald wants more money, give that man more money. If Aaron Donald wants your car, give him your car. If Aaron Donald wants your house, give him your house. Like, Immediately got visions <laughs> of Aaron Donald in a Suzuki Swift. I'm, I'm loving this. <laughs> The the thing with Donald, uh, we've kind of we've talked about it as well. There are only three players in NFL history that have three Defensive Player of the Year awards: Lawrence Taylor, JJ Watt, and Aaron Donald. And uh, arguments might be made about JJ Watt, but you cannot argue that Lawrence Taylor is not one of the best players ever in the league. And Aaron Donald is right up there as well. Phil, I think was, I disagree with Phil a little bit in terms of the fact that I genuinely, I do think retirement was on the cards for Donald because tying in all of those, like not just the uh, defensive player of the year awards, all of the all pro nods, all of the accolades that he's had, the Super Bowl was the last remaining one. And we've talked at times, I think on pod, we've talked a lot off pod about kind of those champions like um, James Hunt in formula one won the world championship had a really nice kind of um rivalry going with with a potential rivalry going with nicky lauda and then that was it he'd won the world championship and 
that was kind of all he ever did because he'd won it once and he didn't have the drive to to continue to do it again. Not saying that Aaron Donald doesn't have the drive to compete or anything like that at all, but at some point you have to look and kind of think, well, aside from me doing all of this again, what is there for me to do? It's just continually going through the same things. And maybe he was looking at thinking there's, there's a, there's another life for me out there that maybe I want to go and experience. And I think that was key in the fact that this is more money for no additional years. I think one of the first times this has happened, if very rarely, let's say at the very least level. Yeah. And it is absolutely worth it because Yes, you could spend more money tying up other people. You could spend money on, let's say, Cooper Cup. You could spend more money on uh, Jalen Ramsey or, or a Von Miller or, or enter name of defensive or offensive player here. The key is, though, and, and we have seen this repeatedly, good receivers come and go, good defensive players come and go. You cannot go into free agency and get another Aaron Donald because that just doesn't exist. It's, it's not possible to get a player like him. Like we've, we've seen games where he's been triple teamed and still got to the quarterback. Name, name me as, as an invitation to everyone else here. Name me any other player in the league now that you could say that about. JJ Watt, TJ Watt. I, I love TJ Watt, Maybe. but I don't think he beats triple coverage. I also don't think he beats JJ Watt, but let's leave that for another week. Um, my point is, so so I'm kind of with you, JB. I think a free agent Aaron Donald makes the kind of money he's been paid. I think the remarkable thing is he's gone from averaging 20 million a season to what, 31.5 million a season. And that's big money. I mean, really big money. You know, at the moment with the position they're in having paid Matt Stafford with, and you've said it, you know, they've got Jalen Ramsey, they've got Cooper Cup, they've got these players who are going to be coming towards their own big money deals not far down the road. It seems like a huge commitment. But then what you, Aldrin and Phil, have all said I would agree with, the weird thing is if you were to pick, say, a top three defensive players of all time, I think that's tough, right? you got Deion Sanders, Ray Lewis, Lawrence Taylor. But I mean, Aaron Donald in the modern era is absolutely the player you put there, isn't he? I mean, he, he is ahead of a, a JJ Watt or, you know, certainly a TJ Watt now. I mean, TJ Watt's got a couple of years on him, but not that many. I, I just think when you have an absolute bona fide superstar, a guy who is going to change the landscape in the league, maybe it's right that he breaks those records financially as well. Um, to your point, JB, as a final little bit from me, I think you're right. He only comes back for a Super Bowl, doesn't he? I mean, he's got, I know he's got a Super Bowl now, but with everything he's achieved, I think you only come back for the belief you want to add another Super Bowl to that incredible um, resume that he has. Um, any other thoughts on Aaron Donald other than it's mind blowing that all of a sudden everybody seems to be getting paid? If you're a half decent wide receiver, you're getting crazy money. If you're DK Metcalf, someone's convinced you you're about to get crazy money, and that's not about to happen. But I mean, on, on the Donald thing, who was the last defensive player of the year? And I'm not saying that Donald's going to win that again this year, but he's now the highest paid defensive player in the year, uh, defensive player in the league. Who was the last defensive player of the year to win the Super Bowl the same year? Lawrence like, Taylor. I don't know. I couldn't tell. Genuinely, no. It was uh, it was James Harrison. James, sorry. Yeah, James I don't know Harrison if James Harrison was the Boy. last one. James Harrison was one. So I think it was James Harrison. James Harrison. Reggie White was before him, wasn't he? With the yeah. packet. Yeah, Packers. Harrison's probably the one I, I would think of. Yeah, um, that's fourteen years ago. Yeah, the last time. So it's an awful lot of money for one defensive player. Mm. You know, but but then a defensive player, and I'm focusing on defensive player. I mean, Aaron Donald's won it three times. But you know, you look at teams that have won that recently: the Rams three times. You know, the Steelers this year, uh, Panthers, Texans a lot, obviously because of JJ. What you know? Yeah, it's a lot of money. I, you you pay a quarterback a lot a lot of money because a quarterback can win you a game on their own. You know, you look at Tom Brady and the Patriots. Look at. Uh, Peyton Manning and the Colts and the Broncos, well, you know, a, a quarterback can can win you a game and you put all of that money in there. But I think one defensive player throwing so much money 
as good as Donald is, I'm not sure it's the wisest kind of. Do you team. not think he won them that Super Bowl though? That last minute play. If he doesn't but, make that play, yeah, I would uh, argue the Bengals go on and win that game. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. To be fair, so you know, in that, but he's already done that, and now they're giving him, you know. Yeah, but you give him that money hoping that he does it again. True. With that, if they, he if he retires, where do they end up? Do they make true. a Super Bowl again without Aaron Donald? Well, if he if he retired, I think they would have paid Von Miller more and kept Von Miller. But that's beside. And, the point. Uh, yeah, but that's my point. Even if they keep Von Miller, do they get to mm. a Super Bowl? Again well, no. Without maybe. Aaron Donald, maybe not. That's why you pay him. The only mm. thing for me is Aaron Donald is a historically good NFL player. You know, one of the absolute greats. But the money they're paying him buys you four exceptionally good talents in the NFL. I mean, I mean, that's the level we're talking about. You know, he is he is on that level of money. But do you know what? The Rams have not followed the path taken by most have they they've traded their way they've built a roster of superstars kind of harlem globe trotter-esque at times just bringing in anyone available through free agency for a few months or a few years to make the difference and here they are with the lombardi in their cabinet so i don't know the thing as well is if you look at like if you look at that kind of conventional wisdom let's say so draft and nurture you know i mean i'm gonna call out the cardinals here but Murray's played, what, a couple of seasons? Now wants the big, you know, when he's asking for a new deal, he's not asking for average starter salary. He's asking for market reset money, right? So I think you're now in an era where those rookies are playing two seasons, have two, three, you know, average kind of not postseason breaking performances and all of a sudden want market leading money. So I don't think, I think if you have a game changing talent and, you know, I think we're all in agreement that Aaron Donald is a generational game breaking talent. You pay the guy because, you know, if you draft a guy, they want ridiculous money in two years time. So why not get a proven talent? I think, you know, it worked. So So I think we broadly ended up with agreement if, even if it was, slightly big and unexpected news that they went on to pay quite that well. Um, But yeah, one player then getting paid as the superstar he is. Our segue is another player bows out of the league, never quite having gained the recognition for being a truly talented quarterback, never really having a team backing him long-term to be their starter. I'm of course talking about, what did you describe him as PB? A cult hero in Ryan Fitzmagic. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick retired this year, probably looking at the likes you would think of Garoppolo and others still being on the board and wondering if he'd ever get a chance as a starter again. Um, The weird thing about him is, is his last real kind of flash season with Tampa Bay, over 100 passer rating. He actually ended up splitting starts with Jameis Winston. And that kind of, in a way, typifies Fitzmagic for me. He was a guy who either started a run of games or came in for a stretch of games and would be absolutely red hot. But the moment he went cold, and every quarterback goes cold every now and again, he never quite seemed to have the backing of his coaches, the backing of those front offices. I mean, one of the most telling stats about Fitzmagic to kick this all off is he holds the record for the most passes and also interceptions thrown on different teams for eight different teams he's thrown touchdowns and interceptions in his career and it was a stellar one so to give you the rundown um the then st louis rams cincinnati bengals buffalo bills actually two of those years his last two years they could probably argue he was the bona fide starter probably the best period of his career for that then a year in tennessee followed by a year in houston a year and a bit in the new york jets a year and a bit the tampa bay buccaneers miami and then a bit of time at washington um when he went to washington we had such high hopes you know the first time he was being believed in the first time he was going in absolutely as the starter an injury took that away from him but what can we say about a guy who in his career has just some of the most ridiculous stats nearly thirty-five thousand passing yards over 220 touchdowns what are your um absolute favorite memories and moments from the career of ryan fitzmagic him signing my Tampa Bay Buccaneers ball at a NFL UK event, probably for me, uh, as it sits up there behind me. But I mean, Fitzmagic's just brilliant, isn't he? You know, the 
endearing image for me is when we, I can't remember the game, the Bucks won that he started, but he came out wearing um, Deshaun Jackson's gear, you know, with the the, the kind of tracksuit and the big gold chains and the sunglasses on for his post-game interview. And, you know, he was just a cool guy. Like, didn't really care what people thought. I think it probably came on a lot more in his later years than, than maybe earlier in his career, you know, just bringing the personality to life. And I think if you, if you disregard his last season where he played, what, not even the whole game for the, the Washington football team. You know, if you think back to the season before where he was at Miami, he got replaced by Tua and then came back in, you know, when, when Tua was injured later on and there was that throw late in the game, wasn't there, against the Raiders, was it to win the game? Where, he, you know, the defender had kind of hooked his face mask and was hooking his head back and Fitz still slung it down the field and, and you know, yeah. and made the completion and, and they went on to win, you know, like, I, I think you, you kind of described him perfectly earlier and, and it, it epitomised his time with the Bucks. Really, he was a real boom or bust. He's either absolutely brilliant, you know. I think he's got one of the best quarterback games in, in Bucks history in terms of throwing. I think it was five or six touchdowns and like four hundred yards. Um, or you know, he could go out there and throw a twenty percent completion. I mean, that's an exaggeration, but twenty percent completion rate and loads of picks. So, um, but what a, what a fun guy to have on the team, and a shame to see he's retired. That's the thing I, I, we've. I've said this multiple times that the NFL will be a much less interesting place when it doesn't have Ryan Fitzpatrick in it. And like on the field, the the one that always sticks in mind is that fantastic season he had as the Jets starter, um, including that kind of post post game interview when they, they, they were looking like they were going to make the playoffs and he gets interrupted by, I can't remember who it was. And the two of them just basically just woo in each other's faces. And then he just turns around and carries on the interview where he was. And it's those kinds of moments. I think you remember, like there's the, I think it was when he was at the Texans. There's a time where he brings one of his, one of his sons onto the, onto the, the interview podium afterwards. And they do a math problem where basically he just gets uh, some of the media guys to give him some numbers and his kid just, just, does does the maths in his head like like that you know they talk about um Fitzpatrick being the Harvard boy I think kind of the the smart genes seem to stretch in that in that family and from my mind the thing I'd I'd be looking forward to now is kind of like well is he gonna is he gonna wind up as a as a talking head somewhere is he gonna end up as as an analyst or a commentator or something like that because that's the kind of kind of look feels like to me he's got that kind of easygoing likable charm that he might not end up as big as a Tony Romo but could be one of those guys that gets in the booth does a couple of games and all of a sudden everyone's going hey he's really good at this he's phenomenally good and I mean you look at for a guy you you uh, referred to the hot and cold nature of Fitzmagic, Phil. You look at the records he holds, the NFL records he holds are absolutely extraordinary. You know, I mean, some of them, I mean, look at most touchdowns by a Jets quarterback in franchise history, and the Jets have had some good ones over the years, at 31 of them in 2015. And remember, that's a 2015 season that he didn't start all the games the following year and then was shipped after that. You know, I mean, this is a guy who has broken record upon record upon record. Um, And you just, I don't know, I just cannot imagine another personality having this stat line but also being, I don't know, passed on so many times. I mean, the fact he played for nine different NFL franchises is just, you know, utterly staggering for me. Never won a playoff game. Did he even play in a playoff game? I can't remember. Well, I mean, you look at the teams he played for, and I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously, he's a big part of it. You just talked about quarterbacks being, you know, the biggest factor in winning games. But he was an uncompetitive Rams, a very uncompetitive Bengals, a Buffalo Bills team that basically had six and 10 or four and nine records for all of his four years there, whether he was a starter or not. You know, and then you look at the Jets, like you say, it was that that 10 and six winning year was probably a career highlight. But I mean, the incredible thing was, you know, he started six games for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2017 and eight games in 2018. So to be passed up on and benched after, let's look at his records for the Bucs. He holds the most touchdown passes through six consecutive games in Bucs history and was benched. I mean, that for me is 
I mean, I know Winston kind of is probably the epitome of, you know, a hot and cold quarterback who still, you know, survives on an NFL roster. But even so, you know, as exciting as the story is, I, I do feel that one coach who really believed in him could have done so much more. I, I think that playoff game is maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit harsh, but, um, but yeah, I remember being there when that ball was signed, Phil. I remember the excitement and uh, I see it in your Zoom background now. Happy times. And there's a number of those, like you said, JB, whether it's, you know, his Jets career, as you said, Phil, the big gold chain. So many things to remember. Thank you for the memories, Ryan Fitzpatrick. So there is our segue into our hot topic to round out our pod. Gentlemen, I hope you are very well briefed and well prepared. I'm going to go back to our traditional running order and come to you, Aldrin, because I want to know who do you feel is the most underrated? I'm not saying they're a world beater, right? But the most underrated player in NFL history. You've got the next two and a half minutes to convince us all. Go for it. See, I don't know that the person that I've picked, I would say, is the most underrated in history. But it's a player I oddly really like. And I, I, I always forget about him. And then I'll see, a, I'll see a game and I'm like, oh, Jesus, he's still playing. So it is a current player. And it is one player. I think we saw catch three touchdown passes in London. And that ridiculous player is Mercedes Lewis. Lewis. And I just think <laughs> okay. that that guy is ridiculous. I, do you know what? I was, because uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I know that Phil is going to pick an old Tampa Bay Buccaneers, probably running back. Um, and James is going to pick somebody from the 1800s um, that was there at the beginning of uh, the, the sport. So I thought I'd look at current players and I was looking down the list and I was like, oh, geez, Mercedes Lewis is still going. Um, but I think he's the epitome of one of those players that kind of ended up on a bad team, but actually had, you know, some pretty good seasons, a pretty stellar 2010. So, I mean, bear in mind this, this guy was drafted in 2006 and here we are in 2022. So the guy's still going. He had his probably best um, statistical season and made the pro bowl in 2010. But then I look down the list of his stats and obviously it's quite a long list now, Um, but obviously he's in green Bay at the minute. Obviously the majority of his work is a tight end too. And is predominantly now is, you know, a a blocking tight end. That's kind of his role and where he fits. But even still, I mean, he was, he he said this past year, he had his best catch percentage of his entire career. You know, and and he's not getting the ball thrown to him a heck of a lot anymore, but still, I think that's really impressive. And just to be still going at that age, playing a full slate of games. So he's played a full slate of games the last, since 2017. Um, and just, yeah, I just think the guy's ridiculous. I think back to that that game, we saw him ridiculously catching. It was three touchdowns, wasn't it, JB? You'll know. Was it three, two or three? Um, and even at that point, we were all kind of looking around and saying, oh, is he still playing? How is he still playing? And that must have been 2016, 2017. Um, and he's still going strong now. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I certainly am I'm not going to pin mine to the wall and say most underrated player of all time but it's just a player that I think is really underrated for his contribution to the teams that he's been on certainly now obviously he's not um he's not going to be a game-breaking player but again that kind of safety valve for quarterbacks um obviously one of my other picks was going to be Dallas Clark for the Indianapolis Colts and how impressive he was um, again, as a safety valve for a quarterback in an era where we had some very, very good wide receivers and it was easy to forget how how critical his contribution was and that kind of connection with Peyton Manning. But yeah, I think Mercedes Lewis is one of those safety valve tight ends that gives you everything. And I think now, you know, you want to keep him in a locker room because of what he adds to that organisation. You know, all by all accounts, great character, great pro. And you have to be at the tight end position to still be playing um, after all those seasons. So, yeah, he was my uh, he was my fun little pick. So I am I'm kind of I'm kind of a little bit on board with with Aldrin on this. I'm um, really again, from it again, maybe not in terms of the most underrated players of in times of history, but most underrated players like Mercedes Lewis, I think, has to go in consideration there. And 
being completely honest, this is a little bit influenced by the uh, three touchdown game that Aldrin is referencing here being the ninth of, uh, sorry, the 24th of September, 2017, when it was Jacksonville Jaguars 44, Baltimore Ravens 7, one of my most favourite games of all time ever. Um, Love John Harbaugh. But he's... I think Mercedes Lewis and you kind of, you brought up Dallas Clark there. And I think there's a little bit of similarity there in terms of that, obviously both tight ends, both, both good, um, both good catches of the ball, useful at blocking, but kind of just that workman kind of guy that you want on your team. Not everyone is going to be a superstar. Not every tight end is going to be Tony Gonzalez or Rob Gronkowski. Not every defensive player is going to be Aaron Donald. Like sometimes you need guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick. You need guys like Mercedes Lewis who can do a job. It's not the star job and they're not getting top billing, but they're going to be right there still in the, in the credits, in the bulk of the credits as someone else that you're going to know. So I, I think this is a pretty good shout. As, as much as I'm not sure I'm entirely on board, I mean, firstly, most underrated player means you, you're picking them out, right? You're picking players that other people don't rate. It's the very nature of what we're doing. The one thing I think is slightly in Mercedes Lewis's favour is he spent his best years on a bad team. I think that was the point you started with, Aldrin. And I think it's one of those things yeah. that means the best players sometimes do go under the radar. Um, yeah, I think that is certainly true. And you imagine uh, Mercedes Lewis on a high-powered offense or with, ultimately, it's almost like Larry Fitzgerald, isn't it? Not that he's underrated by any means. But you put them with the right quarterback during their absolute peak and you can imagine a career that was so different. You know, Larry Fitzgerald was catching balls from Max Hall and it just it, it just got horrible for a period there in Arizona. But I see where you're going. I'm not sure his longevity is necessarily convincing me quite as much. Um, but do you know what, Aaron? He's Green Bay at the moment, right? Yeah. And do you yeah, know, the thing Aaron Rodgers has got no one else to throw to. So The thing that caught my eye, right, is if you look at his stats. So, I mean, the guy's 38 this year. So, you know, Great, crazy, crazy old, crazy old, crazy old. For, uh, uh, for that kind of position. Um but 2021 was his best season for yards since 2017. Um, his best catch percentage for his entire career. Best first down, uh, best number of first downs since 2017. So, you know, you're talking four or five years on from, you know, when he was still old and he's I mean, now pushing ten, 38. on from his peak, really yeah. Good, yeah. yeah, you know, he's putting in really good numbers. And again, I think... It's maybe just because I think often the tight end position is underrated, Agreed. mainly because now you end up with two types of tight end, right? You either have somebody that can catch and is athletic. You know, I'm looking at Kyle Pitts, you know, the Atlanta Falcons aren't asking him to block or you have guys that block. So I, I think Mercedes Lewis is one of those that was more of a can do it all tight end. And, you know, I think he's still doing it all. He's blocking, but still able to remarkably get down the field. I mean, he put his best yards in since 2017. Yeah. And, you know, stuff like that, that I, I don't know. It, I'm not saying that he's a, a ridiculously underrated player and he's going to jump out off the page and have a, a Hall of Fame career. But the, the, it's the longevity. I know the longevity isn't maybe one that stands out for you, but I, I think if you think five years on from some good stats in a really poor team and he's, you know, he's still doing it and still being that safety blanket for a top tier quarterback. It's important. You put him with Aaron Rodgers in his peak. I mean, you could argue probably both of their peaks, although I don't think Rodgers has dropped off that much. Um, And that could have been magical. Couldn't it? You could be talking about one of those famous kind of quarterback tight end partnerships and so on and so forth. Okay. Well, I think you get a pass. I think Mercedes Lewis gets in and I'm, I'm more than happy to have him as our first nominee in our Hall of Underrated NFL Superstars. Um, who's going next then? JB, you, you were teasing me before we started recording with this one. Can What was the clue? Can a player be underrated when they've won two Super Bowls? I think was the yes. tagline. Right, so I'm, I'm all I can, I can I can amp that if you want to have a go at guessing who, who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on then. We missed. Can, a, can a player 
be underrated if they have two Super Bowls as a starting quarterback, a Heisman Trophy, and a Comeback Player of the Year award? Okay. Two, two Super Bowls. Heisman, Comeback Player of the Year. It's not going to be like John Elway or someone, is it? It's like so, one of the most famous quarterbacks in NFL history. Aldrin made a joke about me picking somebody from the very beginning of time in the league. And oh. this isn't quite four score and seven years ago, but it's interesting that that would be 87 because 86 saw the retirement of Jim Plunkett. And I think he has to be in consideration for underrated. I understand why he's not in, in, in a lot of people's discussion for fantastic quarterbacks of the eighties or anything like that. If you look at his stat line, it's, I mean, visually it's unimpressive. It's, you know, a career total of sort of just over 25,000 yards, a touchdown to interception rate of 164 to 198. Like even Jameis Winston has a positive touchdown to interception ranking at the moment. Sorry, Jameis, we know you're listening. Um, but the thing from my mind is Jim Plunkett is the only eligible quarterback with two Super Bowl wins as a starter who is not inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And when Rob and I were talking about this earlier, Rob wondered when I said two Super Bowls as a quarterback, if I was going to be talking about Eli Manning, not going to be talking about Eli Manning for that, but Eli Manning is going to go into the Hall of Fame. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. You know, he's not he's not the best quarterback in his own family, but he's still going to go in there. So Plunkett missing out is a little bit weird, especially when you look, like I said, you look back at his college career, entering the league as the Heisman trophy winner, entering the league as the AFC rookie of the year. And then kind of just bombing out a little bit. He kind of, it didn't work out for him at the Patriots. It didn't really work out for him at the 49ers. It worked out for him, when he went to the the island of misfit toys that is the Raiders. And even then it was only because he was brought in to be the backup. And there's America's games where he talks about being told by Al Davis, you're not here to save the team. Don't worry about any of it. Just play quarterback. But this is a guy who led the team twice to Super Bowl wins. And not even straight as a starter. He was the starter, won the Super Bowl, lost his job, regained his job, won the Super Bowl again. And like if Kurt Warner had won that Super Bowl for the Cardinals, that would be the same kind of, of thing we'd be talking about for him. Like an of amazing oh, performances. So just can, can we live in a world where that happened for a minute? Where it makes uh, the Kurt Warner movie better as well. Can we just can we just imagine that that that, that happened? We still haven't seen the Kurt Warner movie, as far as I'm aware. I haven't seen the Kurt Warner movie. And part of me just thinks it just ends with Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball and it just the f- going out as if to say, maybe Santonio Holmes doesn't catch it. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to or, talk about Jim Plunkett. That Kurt Warner had 99 yards to catch up with a heavy set defensive lineman. I mean, maybe, maybe that's the thing. I mean, that could have happened oh, as well. But yeah, yeah I, I would put Jim Plunkett forward as I think underrated. I think if you look at what, what he was able to do, not just necessarily on the field, like stats, stats, you can't really compare time to time because agreed. Yeah. They, they throw, you throw yeah. the ball so much more now. And particularly when Plunkett was at the Raiders, they had Marcus Allen and I think to a degree, Bo Jackson. And if you've got Marcus Allen, especially, you're going to hand the ball off to him and just watch as he works his magic from there. So I think putting him in the situation he was put in, asking him to do the things you could do on par with like what you would expect from a Ryan Fitzpatrick or something like that. The only difference was Jim Plunkett was so much better at it than anyone else you'd put in there. So just to check, is your argument that Jim Plunkett is underrated or that he should be in the Hall of Fame? Because, I mean, he was a Super Bowl MVP. My argument is that Jim Plunkett is underrated. Okay. Okay. But but my, my lease for that is that he's the only quarterback with two Super Bowls not in the Hall of Fame, which feels really weird because there are people in the Hall of Fame who shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Well, well that's a whole other pod. Maybe we're back in a fortnight talking about that. Okay. Um, 
I was about to ask the other guys for thoughts, but as as we're going back into eras long before they were born, I, I don't know. Does anyone does anyone have any? I, I mean, those Raiders teams were not the most pleasing on the art. You, you were right to talk about generational differences. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you made a point about Mercedes Lewis being a leader, Aldrin. I think Plunkett definitely has has that in his mm-hmm. in his locker. It's not where I'd have gone, but I'm not against it. I don't mind it. I, I do find it it is difficult to say that somebody's underrated that was a Heisman winner <laughs> and then won two MVP. Super Bowls. <laughs> but then if you look at the other criteria, yeah. if he's the only one, who's you know eligible who's won two super bowls as a starting quarterback and he's not in the hall of fame then you arguably could say he's underrated because oh, I, yeah you know, that's where that's where i agree with Jake. every one of his peers is is you know in the hall of fame and he's not so you could argue the case and, and also for his lack of yardage he is in the 99 club for those of you who so he has thrown a 99 yard touchdown pass there aren't all that many of those out there some of the guys who've played a long time have done it but um Ben Roethlisberger did it, didn't he? Was it not J.J. Smith-Schuster? Yeah, it was Juju, Juju against the Lions, I think. Juju against the Lions. Well, it's always against the Lions. Crikey. Um, all the Cardinals. Um, I love that Smith-Schuster is so forgettable. You called him Ju- J.J. J.J. Juju. <laughs> well, you know, I just I just thought, I'd, I mean, he is. He's a TikTok dancer to me. No, nobody convinced me he's underrated. So, Phil, if you're about to Kansas go Juju Smith-Schuster. wide receiver one now, isn't he? Well, can't wait for that. That's just got disaster written all over it. Um, but two so far, I know we haven't done consensus, but I think broadly we're all in agreement. That, yeah, you know, they, they certainly tick the box. Um, PB, who have you got? Most underrated player in NFL history. Go! Well, I mean, that is a different question to what I prepared for. Most underrated player <laughs> in NFL history. However, I feel like this could be, uh, could, could be up there, to be honest. And the only way you're going to disagree with me is if, you feel it's Tampa Bay Buccaneers bias and, and go against me because of that. But if I'm thinking of Tom underrated... Brady, Derek yeah. Brooks, yeah. so many tackles. Uh, number one, if I'm looking at old players, which I haven't for this one, it is a crime that Rondé Barbar isn't in the, isn't in the Hall of Fame. The fact that he holds so many records as a cornerback in the NFL, there are other cornerbacks in there with worse stats than him. Tampa Bay needs a new Hall of Fame uh, representative because the fact that Ira Kaufman hasn't got him in the Hall of Fame yet is ridiculous. Point one. Second honourable mention, Levante David, as you know, as a linebacker, has been absolutely brilliant. He barely has ever got a mention at the Pro Bowl, and it's purely because he's played on awful Buccaneers teams that have never, you know, been on, on primetime games, never been on television, never paid attention to. Everybody goes on about Devin White and, and you know, he had a fantastic playoffs um, when we won the Super Bowl, you know, a couple of years ago. But if you look at Devin White, the games where Levante David hasn't been there, he's not the same player. And that's, you know, testament to how good a player Levante David is. So I, I did consider them, but I'm actually going to go, I'm going to read a uh, excerpt from a, a post-draft um, report about this player, um, he'll ultimately be limited by his athletic profile, which is similar to that of Vincent Jackson. He can work on being more explosive and may harness his speed and be a quicker, better leaping version of the Bucks' veteran wideout, but he's unlikely to ever be Calvin Johnson or Randy Moss as he's just not that caliber of athlete. He isn't going to end his career as the best receiver in the history of the NFL, but he projects to play quite a lot like Vincent Jackson, who has been criminally underrated for years and presents match-up nightmares for his opponents. The Buccaneers didn't hit a home run with this pick, but they made good contact, and given the other options on the board, that's definitely not a bad thing. So apparently he's never going to be a Calvin Johnson or Randy Moss. Uh, the, the pick wasn't a home run, um, and he is the only player in NFL history to put up eight consecutive 1,000-yard receiving seasons. The, Mike Evans, the fact that he is criminally underrated is a fact. You know, only only the last couple of years, having played with Brady, um, has he really got, you know, I would say got the notoriety that, that he has. You know, a, a jobber like Keenan Allen saying that Mike Evans isn't in his league, you know, when they, they released those Madden ratings two years ago. An absolute joke. He is a top five receiver in the league now. You know, is, is he not top 10 all time considering one, you know, those stat lines? No other quarterback. Uh, sorry, no other wide receiver has put up, what, six consecutive 1,000-yard seasons? He's done eight now. 
criminally underrated. He's so the, I think this is the worst him. choice that you could have gone for. So there is no way that he is underrated. How I can mean, you say he's not underrated? Because he's just not. Like he's a consensus. Like it's not like it's not like you're the only person that's saying he's good. <laughs> you know, like no, he's know. pretty around the league. I know. Renowned as one of the best receivers going. He's been <laughs> but I, I disagree. I think, like, I think he's worst. talked about as being a good or very good receiver, but I don't think he's he is mentioned as being, you know, the superstar level that he is. I genuinely think he's underrated for the, the level of play that he's consistently put up year after year after year. The thing that I love the most about this isn't just the incredible shade just thrown on Keenan Allen there. It's the fact yeah, I that, know, I that Phil has absolutely come out swinging here. It's literally like the, they kind of feel like there needs to be like a Bucks flag waving behind him as he's pitching this. Um, I mean, there is. So Aldrin mentioned Pro Football Focus in his thing earlier. Pro Football Focus only two hours ago released an article naming Mike Evans as the most underrated player on the Bucks now, you know, let alone in, in, you know, of all time. There is, there is a certain relevance to what Phil's talking about. Like I wouldn't put him necessarily in the same kind of bracket as we've put Mercedes Lewis or we've put, uh, we put Jim Plunkett or we've put whoever Rob is about to bring out, which I like legitimately also can't wait for that as well. But, but I do think there is a certain element of the fact that I think people, I was about to say undermined or reject kind of Mike Evans as kind of the prospect that he is. And I, I do think there is an element to it. You look at the stats, you look at what people talk about and you kind of do think, well, Mike Evans did get a bit lost and does get a bit lost at times, but then he's also one of those guys like I've always said it about Frank Lampard when you played for England, like when you needed a pass, you needed a goal, you needed something to happen. Frank Lampard was the guy to do it. And it feels a lot like Mike Evans has kind of got that for the Bucks. If you need a big catch, if you need a big play, if you need a touchdown, you can get the ball to him and he'll do something with it. And underrated might not be the best thing. Doesn't get enough credit for what he does. Might maybe be a more accurate version of it, but I, as unbelievable as this statement is going to be, I can see where Phil's going with this. But the argument is just that he's a top five receiver and he doesn't get mentioned in the same breath as other top. Because, I mean, if Mike Evans retires tomorrow, he's going in the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we all say yes. We all say yes, and I absolutely agree. I mean, Keenan but... Allen might say no, but I mean, <laughs> Jim Plunkett would be furious. <laughs> Jim Plunkett will not. Uh... I don't think he. You know, I don't think. I think we all think he should be, and the consensus is he should be. I don't think you can say he'll be a slam dunk first ballot Hall of Famer, and he, he absolutely should be. But you know, if you if someone said you had to put your mortgage on Mike Evans. Seeing the, the national anthem in under ballot, would you do it? 34 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see. Um, I, I'm kind of with you. You know, when, when people talk about the Tyreek Hills and, and even like DeAndre Hopkins, you know, b- b- bringing a, a Cardinals biased out again, there are certain wide receivers that get talked about in certain ways. And, and I suppose C- Cooper Cup joined that party this year, didn't he, very much, has been one of the best in the league. I mean... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, for me, underrated would be, and it's not the, you know, Adam Phelan, I think is underrated, you know, goes undrafted, still gets talked about now as a number two receiver behind Jefferson in, in, in Minnesota. I think that I kind of get what you mean with Mike Evans, but for me, you're pushing it an open door because I'm not one of the people who underrates him. I think is the problem. I think he is yeah. a top five. And I do think Keenan Allen is sometimes underrated, but I'm not going there right now. That that takes us on a whole other track. But but I'm with you. I mean, I mean, the guy's made multiple Pro Bowls. He's a Super Bowl champion. And also, even though they didn't win the Super Bowl last year, he made huge plays for Tampa Bay at the tail end of last season when they were trying to defend that that championship. And, you know, cometh the hour, cometh the man. You know, we talked about this with Aaron Donald at the start. I, I'm with you. He's a clutch time player. And in those moments where you need people to go big, he, he always delivers. Yeah, I'm, I'm just on board. I just think he's a great player. I think I the point like- where I disagree with you, Phil, 
is when you said, oh, he only gets the notoriety now Tom Brady's around. I'm not being funny, but so do the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because before that, no one gave a monkeys. You know, when he's when he's catching passes from that's James Winston. Point, and, right? Yeah, but when he's catching passes from Ryan Fitzpatrick and and he others, up a it's the same way as catching passes from Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh McCown, yeah, Mike. Lots Lennon, of cornerbacks yeah. caught thousand yard seasons when Jameis Winston was throwing passes, right? Loads of cornerbacks did that. Um <laughs> yeah, but my point is that the notoriety comes with Tom Brady, right? When you're catching passes from Winston, they were middling as an organization and somebody catching a thousand yards was great, but it never led to anything. I think the fact that it now leads to postseason or Super Bowl success, obviously he's going to get more attention for that because it's actually relevant. You know, there's a lot of players that cat that have thousand yard seasons and they go nowhere. You only really get that credit. I don't, the thing that I disagree with you on is that in the same way that Rob said, None of us underrate him. I think we all believe that he's a lock, number one wide receiver, top five. Um, I think the only challenge you have is, you know, when you talk about like Hall of Fame and stuff, people that get in, even without like having massive long careers or whatever it might be, you know, like Megatron, they get in because they redefine the position. I wouldn't necessarily say Mike Evans has done that. I think Rob is exactly right that he is, an incredibly safe pair of hands. If you need a play, he can make a play. He will put in thousand yard seasons consistently. He will beat top cornerbacks. He will get lots of touchdowns, but you know, if, if he were to retire today, you, to your point, he might not get in because he doesn't really, he's not redefined the position or, the only player to put up eight consecutive thousand yard seasons. That's why he gets in, but you know, like a, a Megatron, or uh, you know other players that you you might get in probably like, like Terra, Terrell Owens, you know yeah, who, who yeah, was yeah. you know uh, well had a bonkers career ultimately, but but the thing for me is there was a time for Megatron and Terrell Owens and Randy Moss where they were the best in the league. They set the standard, and I, I think Mike Evans gets in. I don't think it'll be a debate. But has Mike Evans ever? I I, I think he's a consistent top five receiver in probably most of the years he's been in the league, certainly the most recent years, has he ever been the absolute best? Has he ever been the league's best receiver? And statistically, he might have been or he might have been close, but that's maybe the only thing. But I mean, look, we're still talking about an incredibly talented guy with an amazing stat line who's got a Lombardi. You know, it. It's a t- I, I kind of get your point. Do I think he's underrated? That's oh, maybe a bit of a leap, but I, I underappreciated, maybe underrated, but maybe I'm splitting hairs now. I don't know. Definitely splitting hairs. Um, I would also just like to send my apologies to um, stalwart of my last season, one of my last season's fantasy teams, Keenan Allen. Uh, I regret <laughs> the choice of words that I used. It was purely because of your beef saying you were a better wide receiver than Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and uh, Tyreek Hill back in 2020. So, uh, yes, all wide receivers say that. If you ever talk to any wide receiver, they've never said that they're not the best in the league, have True. they? They've never said, "Oh yeah, I'm a I'm a solid wide receiver True. three. You are um you are a perfectly serviceable NFL wide receiver. Just you're not in Mike Evans' league. Couldn't couldn't be as good a kicker as you, Phil. Either is the other thing I think he needs to right. know. I mean, we've we've learned a lot so far. We've learned that Mercedes Lewis is career is on an upward trajectory in terms of stat line, which basically says to me that both him and Mohamed Sanu need to be on your fantasy teams this coming season. I mean, they are, they are locks, right? To be watch for a breakout year. Yeah, I, indeed. I, I, breakout I hid year. from the stats that he didn't catch a single touchdown pass, but nonetheless, nonetheless. so 10, um, 10 first downs, right. I, I'm taking this over and I'm going to tell you now that you guys have kind of danced around this. Now, I'm not talking about the best players to play the game. I'm talking about the most underrated player in NFL history. Um, buckle up, buttercup, because I have found him, right? So let me talk you through the career of one, Carlos Dansby, right? Famed linebacker, spending a good chunk of his career at the Arizona Cardinals. 
But um, let me just give you the stat lines, boys, and see what you think of this. So a career that started in 2004 and ran to 2017, right? During that time, he had 1,424 tackles, of which 1,077 were solo. 127 were for a loss and he had 64 hits on the quarterback talk about cometh the hour cometh the man this is the guy who took the ball to the house to win that famed playoff game for Arizona against the Green Bay Packers all those years ago but let me just take you beyond the headlines and give you a bit more of the story right so if I talk about the 1424 tackles we'll compare that to first ballot hall of famer Brian Erlacher, who, like Dansby, also never won a Super Bowl. He had 1,353. But you go, well, hold on. Tackling is only part of the game for the modern linebacker. So let me give you some stats right, of the most interceptions by linebackers since the year 2000. Ray Lewis, 24. London Fletcher, 23. Brian Erlacher, 22. Keith Bullock, 21 at the predominantly at the Titans, Carlos Dansby, 20, right? So this is a guy who, since the year 2000, is amongst the top 20 linebackers in football for tackles, for interceptions, tackles for a loss, forced fumbles, you name it, he's top 20, right? Now, let me tell you something else about Carlos Dansby. Right. Despite the fact he signed big money deals twice in his career, once with the Cleveland Browns, once with the Miami Dolphins. Can you tell me how many Pro Bowls, forget the Hall of Fame, forget the Ray Lewis, Erlacher, London Fletcher comparisons when we think Hall of Fame. How many Pro Bowls did Carlos Dansby ever play in? The answer would be, not that people can see your hand signals as they listen to our pod, would be zero. Carlos Dansby never played in a Pro Bowl, despite being statistically one of the greatest linebackers in the modern era, an absolute phenomenon at the position, who in big moments came up huge. And I mean, there are a few players you can look into and go, well, they weren't appreciated because they weren't at great teams. I nearly went for Fred Taylor, the, the running back at the Jacksonville Jaguars. I nearly went for Matt Barr, you know, who was a kicker for the Cleveland Browns for a number of years, who also ironically never made it to a Pro Bowl, despite having a better percentage of kicks in the postseason than Adam Vinatieri. But Carlos Dansby did it all as balanced and well-rounded a linebacker as there has ever been, how on earth does that guy not even play in Hawaii, let alone get talked about in the same breath as people who've got their busts in Canton? Um, I just think it is one of the absolute greatest crimes in model football that people don't rate Carlos Dansby so much higher. And I mean, I, I, I kid you not, you look at his tackles, you look at his solo tackles, interceptions, tackle for a loss, the guy's never outside the top 10 in the modern era. Why do more people not talk about Carlos Dansby as the great he truly was? Feel free to argue away. Every stat line I've just said means you're going to lose. So I don't, I don't have the stats to hand, but like to the point we just made about Mike Evans, and I don't know if you have this, Rob, but was he statistically the best at the position across any single season? Or was he just consistently solid churning out those stats year on year? He had some very good years. So the two years, the year of the Super Bowl in Arizona and the one that followed, and then he had one very good statistical season in Miami. But I mean, remember, I'm, I'm talking about a guy who never made a Pro Bowl. I mean, if you, I mean, this is top five interceptions since the year 2000, you know, absolutely up there with Hall of Famers when it comes to tackles and solo tackles. The point about Mike Evans was, you know, is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? I'm not even Carlos Dansby at that level. This is a guy who got released and cut twice, admittedly on big money deals both times with, with the Browns and with the Dolphins. How on earth does he not get any form of recognition at all over a career like that? 
You know, Aldrin, I kind of feel like maybe me and you need to to go away and have a, have a think about this because we we definitely came into this with a different idea of what our arguments were going to be because we, we've had some fired up people in the second half of this podcast here. I know I'm um, quite chill about Mercedes Lewis. I just thought he's a bit of fun. Yeah, it was like we were having a nice we were having a nice gentlemanly discussion, and then Phil and Rob just decided to rattle the sabers for their teams. It's like it's um, like three weeks off from NFL chatters, like riled them up. Wait, I think it's just that they've missed like this is PB's first pod in a while. So I think he's just he's had some of that fire saved up. Um talking about the point Rob actually made. Um I I think the difficult thing with Dansby is the the teams that he played on are shall we say mediocre at best. Sorry, Rob. Um he, ma- he made a Super Bowl. He then made, I, mean, I don't think they were mediocre, but I, I mean, I appreciate he was on losing teams for most of his career, but I mean, he's ahead of Puzlesny, Teo Spike, Sean Lee, Patrick Willis, Keith Bullock, right? He's ahead of from the Titans, who admittedly has 21 interceptions in his career, but Bullock was a two-time All-Pro, a pro bowler, and he did that with 790 career solo tackles. That's like two-thirds of what Dansby has. I, I do just, think I, the thing the thing going against Dansby is he plays at a quote unquote popular position. Air quotes there for for everybody listening in. In terms of the fact that you look at if there are only so many all pro, all pro positions, there are only so many pro bowl positions going around. And if you're playing the same position as Brian Erlacher, chances are you're not going to get ahead of Brian Erlacher for those kind of things, regardless of whether he was a better or a worse player at stretches of a season at stretches of a career or anything like that. So I get what you're saying in terms of him never having made a pro bowl is really weird when you consider what he's done, but there are ways to kind of explain around it. I do think he would enter in the argument for underrated players though. I think you've got a point in terms of what he contributed to a team with his play, what he contributed to a team with his leadership what he showed, uh, like you said, like he's, he's played at a variety of teams. Those teams wanted him for a reason and he gave you a reason for it. So yes, I think he is worth the conversation in regards to underrated players of all time. 43 sacks in a career. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Um, Carlos Danson. Nothing else away from today's podcast. It's, you know, Rob's enthusiasm talking about Dansby's tackle. 1,400 of minute career. Just to try and clean this up. It's been a while since we've landed in. It's, it's difficult to argue with the man with all the stats. So you've, you've you mean got the, a stat for every point. The man who prepared for the podcast. <laughs> well, I think we all did, but I mean, James and I did it slightly more jovially. <laughs> Oh, yeah. How's his blocking, Rob? How's what? How's his blocking? I mean, he's no Chris Godwin, but he'll do. I mean, he had a, a couple of very good years. Um, Chris Godwin's the highest paid blocker in the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that's for the overrated podcast, though, James. Keep, yeah. keep that in your locker. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> overpaid, overpaid chumps. He's no Keenan Allen. No, he certainly is not. More, more Keenan and Kel, I think. Um, right, so... Um, Honourable mentions, there would be so many. Um, but like I say, I nearly did go with Matt Barr. Two Super Bowls. Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles. No. Has he, he hasn't been a backup anywhere to win a Super Bowl, has he? I was about to say no Super Bowls. Don't tell me he was a backup on somebody who won. He's third string at the Saints now, isn't he? Oh, is he? He wasn't no, around. He ask, no, didn't he ask to be released? No, no, no. He was released from the Packers, I want to say. Either the Packers or the Rams to go to the Saints because figured, you know, behind Winston and Ian Book or whoever the other one is, he's got probably a better chance of getting a game. Rob's favourite from a year ago. Yeah, uh, I think he's probably right. I think as an agent, giving him pretty strong advice. Um, so here's a, a thing. He gets ridiculed. If he'd have beaten the Patriots in that uh, AFC Championship game and got to the Super Bowl, you know, his career probably looks a little bit different. He's probably still starting somewhere now. I mean, it's all ifs and buts. Agreed. But. Yeah, no, agreed. But but then it, it's funny, isn't it? Because you look at, I mean, this this is torturous. You say that, though. There's Colin Kaepernick's the same, isn't it? Colin That's Kaepernick, exactly that what comeback, I was going to say. That comeback against the Ravens, he comes back and wins that Super Bowl for the 49ers. 
there's a lot of quarterbacks <laughs> whose career change on a single play. I always think of the other one, and again, it's Cardinals bias, but Ken Wisenhunt was the other one for us, the head coach who nearly beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl, you know, nearly became the first Cardinals head coach, you know, to win a Super Bowl. And then a few years later, he's out on his ear. You know, it's, um, it is a cruel game. But you were talking about it with Mike Evans. You know, there are players who, in those big moments, make big things happen. And, um, yeah, it's a cruel sport if it goes slightly the other way. Um, well, I, I, I don't need consensus, though. Is everyone happy with Carlos Stansby being in our Hall of Most Underrated? Yeah, there you go. There I you agree. Go. Right, if I put Mercedes Lewis in, if you've got a statistical leader, then I think it's fair to have him in too. Yeah. Never made a pro bar. I, I, I'll, I'll go to sleep thinking of that tonight. Horrifying. We're sorry, Carlos. We, we hope for better in the future. Um, three-time Cardinal. All three of the very successful stints. But, um, but gentlemen, I think we've done it. I think in the midst of um, no real kind of proper NFL news to report, um, you've managed to pull together another Gold Standard podcast. Thank you ever so much for your input. And I think our plan is that we'll be back when there's news but no later than two weeks' time, right? So we'll be back in two weeks' time if very little continues to happen. If something momentous were to land, if a quarterback was to find a home, like Jimmy Garoppolo or who else is still in the market? Baker Baker Mayfield, anyone else? I don't know. There's there's going to be so much intrigue coming from Colin Kaepernick, yeah, going to work out with the Raiders. Yeah, if something momentous happens check Spotify or wherever you listen to our pods, we'll be back. Otherwise, we'll be there to update you on the dribs and drabs in about a fortnight's time. But um, gentlemen, it was stunning. I look forward to 14 days or less. Fantasy football we... season's coming up. If you want to be in the Club Dub Fantasy Football League, drop us an email. Rob, you can read out the address uh, so, or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram. Either of those things too. Club Dub Podcast at mail, M-A-I-L. Dot com. I only do that slowly because friends of the show have had problems, I believe. But um, but yeah, clubdubpodcast.mail.com. Drop us a note. Join our Fantasy Football League. You are right. It's nearly that season, isn't it? So yeah, nearly the time where we start building Fantasy Football rosters. Um, maybe that's what we'll be doing in a fortnight. But thank you, gentlemen, for your company. And um, yeah, I'll catch up with you soon for some top NFL jibber-jabber. Cheers, Rob. Cheers, Rob. It's a lot. Remember to subscribe and be cool. Tell your friends. The game is over!